Crime Cafe, your podcasting source of great crime, suspense, and thriller writing. I'm your host, Debbie Mack. Before I bring on my guest, I'll just remind you that the Crime Cafe has two ebooks for sale the nine book box set and the short story anthology. You can find the buy links for both on my website, debbiemack.com, under the Crime Cafe link. You can also get a free copy of either book if you become a Patreon supporter. You'll get that and much more if you support the podcast on Patreon, along with our eternal gratitude for doing so. But first, let me put in a good word for Blueberry Podcasting. I'm a Blueberry affiliate, but that's not the only reason I'm telling you this. I've been using Blueberry Podcasting as my hosting service for my podcast for years, and it's one of the best decisions I ever made. They give great customer service, you're in complete control of your own podcast, you can run it from your own website, and it just takes a lot of the work out of podcasting for me. I find for that reason that it's a company that I can get behind 100% and say, you should try this. Try Blueberry. It doesn't require a long-term contract, and it's just a great company, period. And it also has free technical support by email, video, and phone. So you can get a human being there. Isn't that nice? Hi, everyone. My guest today had a long career as a professional dancer and dance educator before becoming a fiction writer. The recipient of many writing awards, her uh, latest uh, book is a young adult crime novel called Deadly Setup. And her first mystery for adults, Miss Q, will be released this summer. It's my pleasure to introduce my guest, Lynn Slaughter. Hi, Lynn. Thanks for being Hi. here with us. Hi, Debbie. It's great to be with you. I'm so glad you're here, and I'm so glad we were able to connect. <laughs> yes, that, that, was, that had a set of challenges. <laughs> yes. I uh, love your Christmas lights in the background. Oh, well, thank you. They're yeah. so pretty, so nice. Um, let's see. I noticed on your website that you mentioned that you particularly enjoy teaching teenagers to dance. I sense a kind of uh, natural affinity, perhaps, for teenagers. And was this what led you to write uh, young adult and coming-of-age books? Excellent question. Uh, definitely, I think that fed right into it. Debbie, teenagers have always been my favorite age group to work with. I taught at a performing arts high school. And I also spent uh, seven summers as the counselor at a residential program for teens who were gifted in the arts. So that um, was a pretty uh, major experience for me. But, uh, and in addition to that, I just always loved young adult literature. I read books uh, that were young adult books way into adulthood and have always loved that literature. So probably a combination of all those things. Yeah, the same here. I, I think that young adult literature appeals to people of all ages, frankly. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because uh, research has shown that over half the people who are buying young adult books are actually adults. And of those, uh, close to 80% are actually buying them for themselves. So this morning I got a call from 
someone uh, who I'm, I hadn't heard from in years and years who said, oh, I just love this book of yours that I just read. Well, she's 85. So um, I, I you know, was reminded again that yes, uh, young adult is not just for young adults, so. Absolutely, yes. So tell us about Deadly Setup. What inspired you to write this story? Well, uh, first off, the story is about a young woman who is the daughter of a New England heiress, and her life really implodes when she gets accused of, and goes on trial for the murder of her mother's fiance. She is very sure that someone has set her up for this, but she doesn't know who. And of course, she's determined to prove her innocence and uncover the identity of the, of the real culprit. But the story isn't just about that, like all mysteries, it's about more than that. And this character is having a lot of challenges in her life. She has a very difficult uh, mother-daughter relationship. Uh, her mom is really not there for her uh, in emotionally or in terms of acceptance and support and even just basic interest. And that's very hard on her. And she is uh, missing, I think, having a sense of family. So what inspired that was actually uh, growing up in a very wealthy community in Connecticut, Greenwich, Connecticut. I lived there between sixth grade and 12th grade. And whereas my family lived in a pretty modest apartment in the downtown area, I hung out with all of these kids who lived in mansions and had every possible material advantage. But many of them actually had parents who were more or less missing in action. Their parents were involved in a lot of stuff other than parenting their children. And looking back, I didn't know what it was called at the time, but looking back, they were emotionally neglected. Hmm. So I think to some extent that inspired this. The other thing that inspired uh, the premise of this novel was that many, many years ago, an actress named Lana Turner had a daughter named Cheryl Crane who was accused of shooting her mother's boyfriend. And this was splashed all over the movie magazines and the tablets. This, of course, is way be before the internet. Uh, and that story I stuck with me and I'm sure was in the back of my mind of, oh my goodness, uh, that, would be, that would be something for a family to, to go through. So those are a couple of the things that inspired in Deadly Setup. That's really interesting. Um... What struck me when I started reading your book was how much a parent, their lifestyle choices can affect a child, sometimes <laughs> to devastating effect. Yes, yes, I think that that's true. I really do. Mm. And, uh, one of the uh, things about Deadly Setup is that this character falls in love for the first time, and her boyfriend 
actually has a very supportive family. So she keeps going over to his house and she becomes uh, terribly aware of the lack of, fam of genuine family um, at her house, uh, in part because she's seeing what, an, what a supportive family looks like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Um, what do you think are some of the key differences between writing for young adult for that category and writing adult? Oh, holy guacamole. That is, <laughs> that is such a hard question. You know that uh, Michael Cart, who is an expert on young adult literature, he wrote a book about it. And he says that defining young adult fiction is about as easy as nailing jello to a wall. <laughs> that's how he describes it so I think it's um it's very difficult I do think that young adult literature has a very common theme of coming of age that is that the character during the story is literally growing up and is trying to deal with some of these really big issues that you go through during adolescence of defining, gee, who do I think I am? Who do I wanna be? Where do I wanna go? Um, how am I the same and how am I different from my parents or my peers? So it's a very intense, intense period of life. And it has a lot of angst in it. It has a lot of joy, a lot of humor, but also a lot of angst. Young adult literature is written from the point of view of a teenage protagonist. So uh, it, if you're going to write young adult, it's very important to try to get it into the headset and the mind and the feelings of a teenager. If you are writing from the perspective of an adult looking back, uh, your youth, then you're writing adult fiction. So that's one of the differences. But this spring, for example, I have an adult mystery coming out. And those issues are just different because she's at, the protagonist is at a developmentally much different stage of life. She's already uh, in a career. She's in a relationship. Um, she's trying, of course, to sort out her life and next steps, but it's very different than being a teenager. So that's uh, some of the differences. But in terms of subject matter, I think, you know, used to be that people would say, oh, when you're writing for young people, this subject or that subject would be off the table. That's no longer true. Mm -hmm. um, our young people are exposed to everything, especially with the internet and and exactly. So there isn't a lot of a lot of difference in that way, um, and I just think uh, I just think too that there's a lot of crossover, and sometimes I honestly think it's a marketing decision. Uh, mm -hmm in terms of, oh, is this gonna be a young adult book or is this gonna be a new adult book or an adult adult book? So it's, um, it's, a, it's hard to define. Yes, yes, I agree. Um, 
so what was it that prompted you to write uh, Mist Mist Q? Yes. Your first adult mystery? That's a great question. It started <laughs> out as a short story. It was a challenge from a friend of mine who said, oh, Malice Domestic is doing this anthology called Murder Most Theatrical. And let's make a little critique group with our other friend. And we're going to work on st short stories uh, that have a theater background. And so I tried to explain I wasn't a short story writer, but uh, I thought, oh, well, what the heck? You know, so I decided to, to do it. And I came up with this premise that this ballerina dies on stage. In the third act of Romeo and Juliet, she fails to awaken. And that was the premise. So then there's a homicide detective uh, and the homicide detective is trying to figure out, uh, first off, how she died because the autopsy uh, doesn't show any apparent cause of death. And second, she's trying to figure out who offed her because she recognizes there are all these people close to the ballerina who uh, had a reason to want to harm her. So she has this very difficult case, but um, after I finished writing the short story, I didn't feel I was done because I didn't really get a chance to explore the personal life or private life of this character really developed this character in depth. And this uh, particular homicide detective is very good at her job and is a complete and total mess in her private life. So, um, so I uh, worked on the novel and uh, of course, in the course of working on the novel, the murderer turned out to be somebody entirely different. Um, than the short story, which is fine, but that's how it came about. It was almost an accident that I wrote an, I wrote a book for adults, but there you go. <laughs> that's funny because it was almost an accident that I wrote a, a book for uh, young adults oh, <laughs> and <okay>. actually middle graders, <laughs> technically. Yes, yeah. um, if you're going to uh, talk about marketing aspects of it. Um, right, right. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true. Let's see. Um, are there books or authors that have inspired your writing? And what are you reading now that you particularly like? Oh, my goodness. So many people have inspired me. Um, in the young adult area, I, I love... Um, so many people, Chris Crutcher, Sarah Dessen, uh, Gail Foreman, Judy Bloom, Richard Peck, I could go on and on, Angie Thomas, um, I could go on and on. Uh, uh, so all of those people inspire me and I still love reading uh, literature, adult literature, young adult, middle grade, um, I just finished reading a middle grade book by Kyle uh, Luckoff called Too Bright to See. And it's a wonderful book. It's all about um, a, uh, a young girl who realizes that she's transgender and, uh, and what this will mean for her life. But it's just beautifully written. So people like that who are dealing with um, major character, uh, major issues inspire me, but I also love, I love humor and uh, 
MC Beaton has a wonderful mystery series, the late MC Beaton, uh, Amish Macbeth Mysteries. I love Amish Macbeth. He's this just hysterical uh, policeman, a Scottish policeman. And I just love his voice and I love, I love the humor. So my, my tastes are very eclectic. That's all I can say. <laughs> very cool. Um, <laughs> what do you find is the most effective way to reach your readership? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ew, I wish I knew. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably the world's worst uh, social media person on the planet. Um, but I do, I do try to take advantage of um, any opportunities I have to do public speaking or meet people or uh, especially young people. Um, writing conferences, I'll often you know, give talks. Uh, this past year, for instance, um, I was at a book festival called the Heartland Book Festival, and I did some workshops with uh, teens uh, called Cooking Up a Mystery. And it was really fun to uh, get their ideas and, and, uh, and talk with them about what are some of the basic ingredients of a mystery and have them have a chance to invent invent their own stories so that's great i think uh doing those talks and, and actually meeting people is an excellent yes. idea yes mm -hmm. uh let's see what advice would you give to anyone who's interested in writing for a living oh my goodness well uh i don't think you should initially quit your day job <laughs> amen to that <laughs> For sure, or expect or go into it expecting to become uh, rich and famous because I don't think that happens to a lot, very many writers. It happens to a few. Uh, but I would say, um, in terms of pursuing writing seriously, that the biggest element is perseverance, is continuing to be very committed to growth and openness to learning and working on the craft it's not an overnight it's just not an overnight thing it takes years to get good at something including writing and i would say uh, and being willing to um put up with a lot of rejection because i just don't know very many writers who um who avoid getting rejected uh, even even the very best ones. So I would say perseverance is huge. It is all of that. What you yeah. said, yes. <laughs> totally. Right. I totally agree. Right. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we finish up? Oh, I just want to say what a pleasure it's been to talk with you, uh, Debbie. And I would love to know more about your work. You mentioned that you write, and so I would. Oh, yes. Very much so. <laughs> about, about your books. And um, I think one of the lovely things about, um, about doing these things is just getting to know other writers. And that's one of my favorite things about writing festival, book festivals and writing conferences is just 
writers are so such interesting people and it's a wonderful community so it is it is a wonderful community that's why i love doing this podcast actually yes because i get to meet so many people and it's everybody yes. has a great story to tell <laughs> yes i bet i bet wonderful know. great well i just want to say thank you so much for being here and um wish you the happiest of new years oh well thank you you too debbie i hope 2023 is a great year for you. What are you working on writing-wise right now? I've got uh, some screenplays I'm I'm working on, as well as coming up with ideas for my next novel, and also working on a, a Sam McRae story. Oh. Sam McRae is my first uh, my first series of books was around a, a protagonist named Sam McRae, who oh. is a lawyer oh. who solves oh. mysteries. Oh, so. <laughs> oh that's, that's wonderful. Well, you know, we're going to get off here and I'm going to look you up. <laughs> well, we will do a bonus round at some point and we can talk about it then. <laughs> sound good? <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> that's a little teaser for anybody out there who wants to uh, listen in on the bonus round. <laughs> you have to become a patron, but oh, well, you know, it's not much. It doesn't cost much. <laughs> Well, thank you so much again, Lynn. Thank you. Sure. So by the time you hear this, everybody, it's going to be 2023. We are recording this in 2022, technically, but it will be 2023. So Happy New Year, everyone. Yes. And uh, thank you for listening. I would like to send a special thank you to all my Patreon patrons. You guys are great. Thank you so much um here's hoping for good things to come in the new year for everyone and my next guest will be maria moroti until then take care and happy reading <laughs>